CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. In this first week of the new year, we want to once again say Happy New Year, everybody, and That's pray good. that you had a wonderful, uh, wonderful weekend and look forward to uh, the great things God's going to do in all of our lives in this new year. And so we just want to encourage you. We set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible. And so if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, that number to call again is 8888-ASK-CSN. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker, we have with us Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church, Fort Worth, Texas, and also Livewire. Did I get Hardwired. that right? Hardwire. <laughs> yeah. But it it's is so easy to but it, but, it, it but is it, a live wire. But yeah. live wire and hardwired, hey, both good. Um yeah. Jeff, so good to have you yeah. with us. Uh, good to be with you. That is hardwire, but live wire, I'll take that too. Better, yep. better than a dead wire. Yeah. Um, but hardwired, yeah. And we're uh, thrilled to be with you, Mike, as always. And, and um, of course, those that are driving around listening right now in the DFW Metroplex, hardwired is on immediately after To Every Man and Answer in the Metroplex on 91.3, where you're listening right now. So we're looking forward to some great questions and um, you know, we're in perilous times, Mike. The COVID thing yeah. has struck again. I was telling you before the show. Yes, um, incredible. Several people in my church have it again. and But this time, I ain't closing down. And I used ain't on purpose. I'm not going to do it. No. I'm just going to no, walk, no, walk no. by faith and keep the doors open. What, what's the old line in the song, we won't get fooled again? Um, exactly. Yeah, so anyway, well, exactly. I know it's so important that we understand that, uh, you know, it was really funny that in Nevada, the governor shut the churches down, but the casinos could stay open. Wow. What's that yeah. about? So, and the strip joints. Yeah. So you just go, well, everything but church. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. anyway, no, we got, uh, we got a lot, lot to do and a short time to do it in. And so redeeming the time, the days are evil. Once again, we want to remind you uh, that uh, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so we got great, great promises from God's word. 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. Got some lines open. And in the meanwhile, we're going to go ahead and go to the phones. We have Gail on the line in Rocky Mount, Virginia. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question is, I was just wondering, my church is wanting to do a Bible study for our youth group, and it's called Follow Me by David Platt. And I know that recently he's been outspoken about critical race theory, and I was just wondering what your opinion would be on that. Well, in favor of it or against it? Yeah, would you be in favor of going forward with that? It's, it, the study was written a, a few years back, and it seems seems pretty good, but... Um, Jeff, and, Jeff and like, your thoughts. Well, it's called follow me, a call to die, a call to live, which is, you know, a biblical st- a statement. Um, and I remember, I-, I do recall reading that Platt 
and a few others that kind of surprised you did go uh, seemingly, and I'm saying if I remember reading correctly, that they kind of were leaning towards critical race theory and uh, sympathizing with it and agreeing with parts of it. If that's true, then he he really erred because that is a so thoroughly unbiblical teaching. Critical race theory uh, does everything Martin Luther King Jr. taught African-Americans to never do. Um, you know, that we would be judged by the, not by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. But critical race theory literally teaches you to judge according to somebody's skin. And if somebody happens to be Caucasian, white skinned, then immediately they are an enemy and they are, uh, you know, white supremacy and they are white supremacists and they are the oppressors. And if you are another skin color, you are the oppressed. And to teach that to children in schools, I know the military embraced it. It, it made its way into all kinds of different formats and contexts that were so very dangerous. Because if we start judging people and assuming things about them based on the color of their skin, you're breaking what Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. And what he meant was, don't judge unfairly. Don't judge hypocritically. Um, well, Jesus so, said, don't judge to the appearance of anything. So if you're yeah, judging it, according to somebody's skin, you're, you're violating what Jesus said because you're, you're, you're judging according to the appearance of something rather than what the person says or their merit or their worth. And so yeah, that's all, why, why you have to reject that as well as uh, woke and all the other whack stuff that's out there floating around. Yeah. You're assuming that their character is, oh, yeah, I'm an oppressor and I love it. And I'm here to oppress you. You know, I don't, I have never in my life felt that way. I don't think I know anybody that thinks that way. But that's what critical race theory teaches. And that's why it's so dangerous to let it into elementary school, junior high, high school, college formats. And you know, I know for a fact it, may, it found its way into the military because President Trump, when he was acting president banned it from the military because of its uh, nefarious um, doctrine and teaching. So uh, if he did that, Gail, then that's unfortunate. What I would do if I were a pastor uh, looking at using his material, I am a pastor. If I was looking at using his material, I would read it for myself, go over it very carefully. And if there's nothing on CRT in it, then I would go with it because it, it sounds like it's at least based on a scriptural foundation. You know, if you want to live, then you got to die and uh, walk in the spirit, not in the flesh, crucify your flesh, so on and so forth. But not having read it, I can't authoritatively say that that is the way I would handle it. Amen. And so I, I hope that helps. Um, yes, it did. So just talk to my pastor about it because yeah, yeah, I think you have to look at it. You know, I mean, I go back to the essentials, Jesus Christ, him crucified. You know, Jesus Christ is God. Uh, there's an eternal hell. Uh, you know, things along this line that there's one life that's going to be lived. And after that, the judgment, uh, either Jesus took your judgment for you or you will be judged for your sins. Uh, it's it's not really complicated. Um, and I understand how important it is to break it down for uh, the teen set and all that kind of thing. But uh, again, we want to be careful that 
in that, there isn't laced in there other things. And this is uh, one of the great tricks of the devil. He'll sell you a thousand truths to kill you with the one lie. And so you just have to look at it. But, you know, again, I don't know David Pratt. I have not read any of his materials. I'm unable to comment. But again, anything that um, is being taught to kids outside of the Bible, I always have to read it with my S-O-N sunglasses on because I don't know what, what they're really saying. I don't personally think the Bible is that hard to understand. Uh, I remember when I was in youth group um, just a couple of years ago, uh, but um, uh, we, we are, are, thank, God I, thank God I had a pastor, a youth pastor that just taught us the Bible. You know, he, he'd, he'd go through the Bible and, and take the stories and, and show how God delivered the children of Israel from their enemies, uh, show it how God would deliver individuals from their enemies, uh, show it how God uh, would use their life to further the gospel. And so I, I always am troubled when I see a lot of the, uh, these uh, different churches and their Bible studies not really teaching the Bible, but teaching a book. Now, I understand the books are nice, and, and they do that. And I know our women's group ha- have used uh, uh, K. Smith's Bible study and, and things. It's all right. But we just want to be careful that uh, we're really getting God's Word, not a lot of really flowery stories and catching the wrong bus to Cincinnati and things like that. Uh, we have to be very careful um, in, I believe, in the days we're in. So I hope that helps, Gail. Yes, it does very much. Thank you. Stay on the line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, the movie Jesus, and uh, I think you'll be blessed. Use them for evangelism. 8888. Ask CSN's the number to call. We're going to go to Bob, Toledo, Ohio. Hi, and welcome. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Um, I have a question about, uh, I think it's Isaiah 6520, if that's relating to the millennium, time of the millennium reign. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it talks about people dying then. And so if that's after the rapture, when like we're basically in heaven, um, where would they people go if when they died? I thought that was the end place. And would is because there's death there, is there sin there? Well, I, I believe that this, again, uh, talking about the uh, millennial reign of Christ, where Jesus rules from Jerusalem for a thousand years, yeah, there's going to be people die during the millennial reign of Christ. That's not heaven. That's just, I believe, the absolute proof that even man in a perfect environment, uh, perfect food, perfect government, the old sin nature will still rebel against God, no matter how good it is. Your thoughts? Yeah, and in Revelations 20, it says another book was opened. Now, John is seeing what we call the Great White Throne Judgment. And he says another book was opened, so he has seen books. And uh, it was called the Book of Life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. So you have two things at the Great White Throne Judgment. You have books, plural, and you have one book identified as the book of life. Well, John tells us what's in the other books, plural. It clearly is the works, 
the evil works, sinful works that men and women did when they were on earth and they never repented of and they weren't saved. So they were judged according to their works that were found written in the books. But the book of life is there too. And then it says, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Well, that tells us right there that there are going to be people at that great white throne judgment who are found to be in the book of life. Because it says so. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So you're going to have people whose wicked works are listed and cataloged and chronicled in the plural books. That's kind of frightening when you stop and think about it. Everybody listening that doesn't know Jesus, think about that, that every action you take, every sin that you commit is being written in a book, in the books. And one day they will be read back to you. And that's what it's saying at in Revelation 20. But who is it that's found in the book of life? Well, it would have to be people who died in the millennium who were righteous. Because anybody, any other people who were found written in the book of life went up in the rapture. So the righteous people in the millennium, those that survived the tribulation, and when Christ returns to set up his kingdom, uh, went right into the millennial kingdom, those are the ones that are going to have children. Those are the ones that are going to grow really, really old, like Noah and all of the ancient patriarchs did. And uh, they're the ones who are going to be found to be written in the book of life when the great white throne judgment happens, when the millennium is finished. So a lot of information there, but I hope that explains it, uh, Bob, because who else could it be in the book of life but righteous people in the millennium who are either still there, alive, when the great white throne judgment happens, or they did pass away at a very old age, you know, 900, 950, uh, something like they used to live. And yet they are the ones that died righteous and they are the ones in the book of life. So I hope that hope that helps. But uh, there is no death in heaven. So we know it's not talking about that. And very clearly, if you read this, you, you'll see that um, that God's going to repair everything. The wolf and the lamb shall uh, feed together uh, by nature right now. They're enemies, but God's going to reverse what happened there in the curse in the garden for the thousand-year reign. And we know that uh, uh, that uh, there will be people living on this earth, not necessarily believers in Christ, mind you, enjoying the blessings of Christ in that he's the king of the world, but not necessarily uh, being believers in Christ Jesus, because when Satan is loosed at the end of the, almost at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ, the Bible says Satan goes out and deceives the nation and does so. And as sand is on the seashore, so uh, they come against uh, the Lord uh, there in Jerusalem. And so uh, with the word is spoken, they're destroyed. And then we go into the uh, the great white throne judgment. The end of the, the uh, millennial reign of Christ is over. The Bible says the sea gave up the dead that were in it. It's not talking about people who died in, in boats and submarines. It's talking about all those that died in the flood 
Everybody from the beginning of time will be judged. Now, how God's going to do that is going to be kind of different because, man, you can say, wow, that's going to take a lot of time. But I know in heaven, time is different than it is here on this earth because the Bible says he's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and last. Revelation chapter 1, Revelation 22, other places in the Bible speak of the omnipotence of God and that he's in a different time than we are. We measure time, but it appears that in God's kingdom, all time present. I I don't know anything like that. Everything I know has a date associated with it, whether it be a gallon of milk or a year of a car or or our birthdays. We we all recognize times of passing, but in heaven, I don't believe we're going to experience that. So it's going to be a different way of life. We certainly know that. And no death. Brand new body. Body doesn't uh, get old, not under the curse. Hope that helps. So are we are we brought are we brought back for the millennium? No, the Bible says in a moment, twinkling of an eye, we're transformed. This is before the tribulation. This is before the millennial reign of Christ. We'll be transformed. Moment, twinkling of an eye, we stand there at the bema seat judgment. We're rewarded for what we've done. And the Bible says, Jesus told us we would rule and reign with him during this millennial period on the earth. We're going to be the governors and the governesses and the police and all those things. uh, And uh, as Jesus rules and reigns from Jerusalem. So we will come back with him down there at the very uh, last couple of chapters of Revelation, where we come back to him on the white horses. Jesus wipes out this, this, uh, war called the Battle of Armageddon. He stops it, uh, then sets up his millennial reign, and there we rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Now, those during the tribulation period that believed in Christ, that were beheaded, they also will rule and reign with Christ as well, the Bible says. But those that died during the thousand-year reign of Christ do not live again until the thousand years is is, um, uh, over. So, any last thoughts, Jeff? No, I think that wraps it up. It's a lot of information, uh, Bob. I know that, and I'm sure it is to all of our listeners as well. But bottom line is, is that, um, yeah, at the great white throne, there's two sets of books open, the book of life, singular, and the books that clearly hold the record of all of our, uh, all the sins of those who have never come to Christ and had their sins washed away by his shed blood. And uh, so there will be people that are good with God that will go on into eternity. And there will be those that are right then and there cast into the lake of fire, which for me is just a thought that if I had a question, just a tiny scintilla of a question, whether or not I was saved, I would settle it. Because what a terrible thought to be separated from God forever. And it's just, it's, it really boggles the mind, but the Bible says it. And if it says it, it's true. Mike? Amen. And uh, where it talks about a child dying at 100 years old, when uh, the longevity of man will be restored to live to be almost a 1,000 years old, um, uh, it's going to be a, a different world. Uh, this curse of death that is upon our bodies, as it breaks down, and by the time of King David, it, the lifespan was only about 70-plus years, um, is, will be removed. And uh, the, 
you know, the Lord's going to make things new. And I like that. So this chapter 65 basically deals with the world during the millennial reign of Christ. What will life be like when Jesus reigns from Jerusalem? You got a pretty good picture of it there in Isaiah 65. I hope that helps. It does. I w- it was just confusing to me because it, it sounded like we could, you could, you know, like at the rapture it occurred now, I would make it and then go through the thousand years where it would be uh, another chance to fail. No, no, not, oh, not no, at all. No, 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 you get it. You get a new body at the moment, twinkling of an eye at the rapture, the dead in Christ who, uh, see anybody that's died right now in heaven isn't lacking anything. It's a spiritual world. But when we come back to rule and reign with Christ, Paul says, we're not exactly sure we're going to be, but we know when we see him, we're going to be like him. We're going to get a glorified body. And that body is going to be necessary to rule and reign with Christ on this earth for a thousand years. We remember Jesus could vanish out of their sight, yet he could eat food. He offered Thomas, put your fingers in the holes in my hands, thrust your hand into my side. See, a ghost does not have a body. He wasn't a phantom. He wasn't an idea that came back from the dead. He was a physical body, but a body different than ours. Well, that's the same kind of body we're going to get as we rule and reign with Christ on this earth for a thousand years. And so I don't believe anybody's lacking anything right now who's died, Paul says, absent in the body, present with the Lord. They're in heaven, spiritual place. It's going to be great. But to come back in a physical world, and this is what God has chosen to do, I believe to demonstrate to man once and for all, even all of men in a righteous government, great food, perfect environment, a perfect ecosystem, will still rebel against God. It proves once and for all that man isn't bad because he was put in a bad environment. This is what Charlie Manson taught, which was crazy talk back when Charlie come up with it, but now adapted by our colleges of America as normal thought patterns, that man is basically good. He's just had bad experiences that made him bad. No, the Bible says we inherited an evil old sin nature. And when man is placed in a perfect environment, he still rebels against God. So I believe this once and for all solves it, and giving it a thousand years proves it, (laughs) we must be born again. And I believe, Bob, people will be born again during the millennial reign of Christ, just as they are now. But uh, again, uh, they're going to be able to go into the new Jerusalem at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ after the wicked are judged, thrown into the lake of fire, which burns forever. And by the way, the cults always say, well, uh, uh, hell is a beautiful place, or hell doesn't really exist, or hell is a is a figment of your, your, your imagination, or uh, no. The book of Jude says a place of torment burns with fire forever. Very clear that it says they will be tormented day and night forever. So again, the cults have always two things in common. There is no God. uh, Jesus Christ is not God. And there is no eternal hell. Bible speaks explicitly that Jesus Christ is God. And it also speaks explicitly there's an eternal hell in which people will be tormented day and night forever. Hey, listen, that's what he wrote down. 
Jesus gave up all the worship of heaven to come down to be born in a dirty manger to redeem us and keep us from hell. Jesus spoke 11 times about hell in the Gospels. It's a real place. It's a real place of torment. It was never intended for man to go there, but it was for the fallen angels who kept not their first estate that that rebelled against God. But if mankind wants to follow in the same footsteps as the rebellious angels, there they will all be together. And uh, it ain't going to be an everlasting kegger in the back of my old truck with my dog, Blue. I don't think you're going to recognize very many people with everybody's faces fried off. It's not going to be a good place. The Bible says it's a place of torment. And again, Jesus suffered on the cross to keep us all out of this whatever it is terrible place. And Jesus spoke of hell. At least Sheol awaiting the great white throne judgment when the rich man and Lazarus died. So we have to remember that this is serious stuff. Eternity is forever. And again, I wouldn't mess with eternity for anything in the world. Best to have your name in that book of life. Your sins are forgiven. And now your life glorifies God. Bob, hope that helps. It does. I I appreciate the information on the because I I didn't see the context of who would be dying and who wouldn't, you know, it was just like, well, we're all going back for a second chance to blow it. (laughs) No, 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 no. That is for the people who did not take the mark of the beast that made it through the tribulation period. And they will then have children and grow. And probably at the end of a thousand years in a perfect environment, there could be a, you know, a billions of people again on the earth. They estimate at the time of the flood, there was probably about 7 billion people on the earth. Uh, And uh, it is interesting that that's about as long as man goes before God has to bring about a, a major judgment. I've shared this before, but, you know, people say, well, how could a God of love allow the wickedness in the world to go on? I've heard people say that. I'm sure you have too. Well, the thing is, So when God brings a judgment on the earth, like the flood, like the children of Israel going in and wiping out the Canaanites because of their uh, baby sacrifice, frying their babies in the arms of a molten uh, statue called Baal, um, then then God's called a murderer. Oh, he murdered all those people. You know, it's really funny. The world, well... They're, they're blinded by sin. And my, my saying for this year, sin is stupid. Always remember that. Stay in line, Bob. We'll get you the book, DVDs. And uh, we're coming up on a break. We'll have more right after this. We'll be right back. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating. But here's some great News, if you miss the December 7th deadline for open enrollment, it's not too late. Here's something that can really help. It's MediShare 65+. plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. It's people who encourage and pray for each other, too. MediShare 65+, plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. 
Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. So worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is open for enrollment. And if you join right now, before January 31st, your second month will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. When this mom ended a bad relationship, she found out she was pregnant. After the father told her to get an abortion, Julia was confused and didn't know what to do. I just knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Julia was referred to a pre-born pregnancy clinic where she was counseled and supported with the strength she needed to choose life. I couldn't imagine my life without him because of them. He's here. We're going to get through it, and it's going to be okay. You can be a part of rescuing babies' lives and changing hearts for Christ in a big way. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies' lives. To learn more, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. Back to part two of To Every Man Answer here on this Wednesday with Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm your host, Mike Kessler in Twin Falls, Idaho. We're going to go back to the phones. We have Siobhan on the line in western Oklahoma. Hi, welcome. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Um, um, I'm calling. Actually, my husband and I have been listening to CSN. We found the station. We travel um, three hours round trip from home to work every day. And we're incredibly blessed to find the station. It makes the drive beautiful. And we hear this station out of Carnegie, Oklahoma. We lose it once we actually get into town where our job is. It goes away. Anyway, we've been searching for a church. And I wanted to pick your brain and see if there's a good Bible teaching church in western Oklahoma that you could recommend it. We, we find ourselves just kind of lacking here. Well, you know, there, there's, there's, you know, the assemblies are good. Uh, you know, Foursquare is good. Uh, Calvary chapels are, are, are really good. They, they really stick to expository teaching. Uh, there's, there's Nazarene churches. There's good Baptist churches. I, I think you just kind of have to look. Now, I can look up a list and, and perhaps we can uh, send you some, some places perhaps, but you know, Jeff, you're in that area. Your thoughts? Uh, Oklahoma, I have to be honest. I, I am not real familiar with um, any good local churches in Oklahoma. I know they're there. I just don't know the names. What I would be looking for, uh, and, you know, I'm tempted to say happy hunting, because what I'm going to suggest and advise you on is um, the type of church that is not easy to find. But those that, as Mike said, stick real close to Scripture, uh, they're sound in the Bible, they worship the Lord freely, uh, they they don't change up Jesus, they don't create their own Jesus, they're not um, always talking about being rich and, you know, all kinds of material stuff, 
but they are just simply sharing with you, teaching you what the Bible says. And um, the, the the what you want to to find is churches that do that that are also alive. They're not dead, uh, but there's there's life. There's joy in the Lord. There's as I said, demonstrative, happy worship, joyful worship, uh, but always and evermore getting into the Word of God and not eisegeting it, which means to read into it what they wish it said or want it to say, uh, or uh, but they're exegeting it. They're pulling out of it. They're studying it. They're doing word studies and history studies and contextual studies, and they're telling you, what God actually intended for us to get out of it. Now, I will tell you, eisegetes, that is people that read into it, what they wish it said, there's almost a pandemic. You want to talk about pandemics? That's a pandemic in a lot of the church in America these days, just giving you a motivational seminar or telling you you're the greatest thing since sliced bread or reading into the Bible weird and zany things, pulling stuff from it that it doesn't say. That's everywhere. So you've got to look for people who are honest and have integrity in teaching the Bible as it was written and sharing it with you, teaching you as as you are, you know, addressing your needs according to what God actually said. And I hope you find that, uh, Siobhan, because it is hard to find, but once you do, you've got a real rare jewel there. And something else, uh, too, we have to always, and, and Jeff, I want you to comment on this. Uh, you can have a church that teaches the Word, but they can also, unfortunately, become very legalistic. Explain to our listeners what what legalism is, because the spirit of the law kills, but the, the, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. So what, we have to have a balance of God's Word and His Holy Spirit, because you'll find people sometimes that say, well, we go by the Word, but then they're trying to get people to go back under the Old Testament laws, uh, completely disregarding the book of Galatians, things along this line. Yeah, and I, when I hear legalism, the first thing I think of is no mercy, no grace, you know, you're under a hammer, uh, and it tends to be a performance hammer where you've got to jump through all the right hoops. And if you don't, then a legalistic church just beats you into the ground. There, there's no compassion, no mercy. Uh, you know, even James wrote in his epistle, mercy rejoices over judgment. But a legalistic church is, you know, we follow by the letter of the law and boy, if you if you break even the letter of the law, you, you might even be lost. But you're certainly not welcome around here anymore. And they they just beat the life out of you. I, I believe in teaching the word as as God gave it to us. But at the same token, you look at Jesus, who was called, of course, the Word. You know, he had mercy on the woman caught in adultery. He had mercy over and over again. The the Gadarene demoniac that he delivered. He had incredible mercy on him. Uh, that man went into his own mission field uh, over and over again. You know, the woman at the well, Jesus had mercy on her sinful life. She'd been married five times. She was shacked up with somebody at the moment, and Jesus had mercy on her. So here you have the Word incarnate, the Lord Jesus, and he would tell you straight up, you know, this is wrong, that's wrong, Um uh, 
You know, he, he took the Pharisees out to the woodshed over and over again. And yet the word had mercy, had grace. And I'm so thankful for the mercy of God and the grace of God. I'll be honest with you. I don't want justice, not for me, because if I had, if I received justice from God, I would be a vapor right now. I wouldn't even be here right now. I want God's grace and God's mercy. So I think when you're looking for a, a, a true word church, you don't want one that is so legalistic that they're very pharisaical, just beat you into the ground while they themselves don't even live with their teaching. But you want a balance, mercy and grace. But here's the truth of what God wrote in his word. And that kind of a balance, freedom in the spirit, freedom to worship. Uh, and if you mess up, mercy and grace extended, forgiveness extended, hope extended, then you're in a good church. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There and, is liberty. And, and there's liberty. And this is what, you know, there's, it's, it's a balance. And this, and I believe the balance only comes by the Holy Spirit. I don't believe it's something you learn out of out of out of uh, you know somebody's writings. I believe you learn it out of the Bible, and this is where the balance is. Yes, there's a point where, as Paul had to tell us, uh, the church at Corinth put this guy out that's hitting on his mother. It's not good for your church. But in other places, the Bible says if you see somebody overtaken in a fault, go lop their head off. No, it says, considering yourself first, then go. You don't want to say, well, brother, you know, I see you're shacked up. And the guy looks at you and says, yeah, and I saw you buying a bag of dope from the local dealer the other night. See, this is a dangerous place to be. Well, you know, I I don't sin like you do. No, but you sin like you do. And that's where the big problem comes in. And understanding where the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. We need to be very careful at understanding what that mercy and that grace is extended to us and how we address brothers and sisters in the Lord in church, or for that matter, new people that come in because we want to we wanna reach out to them. Not tolerate their sin over a period of time, but you got to remember you got an open door. People are going to come in like a car wash, man. They're going to be dirty. They're going to need a, a good scrub-a-dub down. And it might take and a they week. They need mercy. They need mercy. It may take a week, may take a couple of weeks, may take a month. But if they're born again, God's begun his wonderful work in their life. I remember years ago when our church first started, there was a kid that came in the back of the church and and. The Lord just, when I would share, I would use a lot of words of knowledge for people, and I still do uh, to this day, uh, just things the Lord gives me. And and he would sit in the back of the church giggling because he just toked up outside on some 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 pot. And he would come in, and, and my elders came and they said, do you want us to throw him out? And I said, no, I don't leave him here because God's dealing— he wouldn't be here unless God, for some reason, drew him here. Well, pretty soon the pot smoking stopped. He accepted the Lord, got baptized. He's now a pastor up in the Boise area. And I look at that and I go, wow, God, you know, you, you could come off with a cop, a real funky spiritual, you know, I'm better than you are thing. But they're the ones that need the Lord. And, and we want to be careful. So I, I really believe that, um, 
wonderful Holy Spirit will guide you where he wants you to be. And all he wants from us is a willing heart. So, dear, we'll just wait and see what God does, okay? Okay. Siobhan, stay on the line. We'll send you out some books and DVDs. And if I know of anybody in that area, you might tell the call screener what town you're close to or, you know, within 20 miles of where you live. And I'll I'll see what we can find. Stay on the line. We'll get you taken care of. Hey, get those books and DVDs and the movie Jesus out to you. Let's go to Chuck in Oregon. Hi and welcome. Hi, Mike and Jeff. I uh, really appreciate what you just touched on, justice versus grace and mercy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, it's what's lacking today. Uh, oh, boy. Isn't that right? I just value your opinion. I wanted to ask you guys. Um, my wife and I have been attending um, a Baptist church in a town nearby us, but right in our little town, um, we were asked to be part of a replant, and we have been part of that, and it's kind of taken off. And now there's, I won't say strife or anything like that, but we're just trying to figure out what's your opinion on us attending two churches. And, and, and your your screener is awesome. He shared a little story with me, and i got to say he's awesome. But I really value your opinion. I want to know what you guys think about that. Okay, Jeff, your thoughts. Well, uh, now when you say replant, are you saying that a church is being planted from the ground up? Or is being brought back from the dead, more or less? <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> okay. Um, so it, it was almost gone, and now it's replanted, and they're giving it another go. Yes. Okay. Um, well, you know, I see a lot of that where I live. Um, there's a lot of people that instead of, and I'm kind of big on I believe you ought to be faithful to one home church. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't visit. I'm not saying you shouldn't, uh, you know, go to a conference in another church. Uh, you can do that. But, you know, there's there's almost a um, total loss of commitment and loyalty uh, amongst a lot of Christians who just don't see their church. They see it more like a restaurant. You know, like, where do you want to eat this week? Well, let's go where the, there's a good word this week. And, the next week, let's go where the worship is great. And uh, this week, and they float around like bees <laughs> trying out different flowers and getting honey from different flowers. So I'm real big on uh, being faithful. Your pastor needs to see that kind of faithfulness and loyalty. I, you know, I don't know about other pastors listening right now. Mike, I, I don't know what you experience here, but We've seen so much flakiness. Uh, you know, people come in, you think they're there, uh, you think they're really with you, and then they disappear. Not a word. Not a word. No goodbye, no thanks for all that you've done, nothing. They're just gone. Yeah, you don't, e- you don't even have a chance to, you know, if they misunderstood <laughs> something you said last Sunday morning, yeah. they don't want to come back. Yeah. Hey, well, I, that's not what I meant to say, or I'm sorry, that's what you may have heard. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, I'm sorry, the kid in, in the aisle, uh, the chair in front of you was throwing a fit. And, and that, we, yeah. you know, uh, we do yeah. believe that uh, nurseries are where you put children, not just where you grow, grow plants. And and so we want to have you, you know, mm-hmm. come back and, and be ministered to. Um but, you know, to not even know why somebody left sometimes is really sad because, again, uh, you know, did somebody get a hold of them uh, or wrangle their yeah. ear, uh, gossip, yeah. uh, Internet, whatever it might be? There's there's so much bad information uh, out there. And, and you'll find something. This is what I found. 
a lot of people, a lot of Christians uh, that don't do anything for the kingdom of heaven spend most of their time cutting down the people who are trying to do something for the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, most most trouble that comes at churches, unfortunately, is from, from Christians. Christians. Yeah, I know. Either. Yeah, but but Chuck, and answer your question because you're in a predicament. You're going to some place out of town where I assume you're being really fed. Is that right? That is right, and and this town is not far from us. It's it's less than twenty miles. Um, and, okay. and we love everybody at both churches. It's just we're kind of now at the point, now that the replant, um, it looks like God has done, I, I don't know what, he, he, the church is together way more than it was. There's about 40 people versus half a dozen. And so mm-hmm. kind of drawn back to our, our home home church, which is the one that's a little bit farther away. But it doesn't mean we won't have contact with the people in our little hometown either because we love them all. Yeah. I think you've got to go where you're, you're fed. I mean, your thoughts. Yeah, and I think, uh, Chuck, that... Um, there's nothing wrong with, with helping, you know, a struggling work, especially if you know the pastor and he's saying, Hey, you know, can you come and give me a, give me a hand as I'm getting this off the ground? But I will tell you, I do believe that eventually you need to land in, in one place and put down roots. Uh, there's a verse. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now, I think there's something to that. It's an Old Testament verse, so there was no church like we know it today, but I think the principle is the same. I think God will call Christians to put roots down in one local fellowship where you've got a pastor, you've got leadership, you're uh, exercising your gift, you're growing in grace, uh, you're a part of that living, breathing organism, that local church, and uh, that's where you are. You know, if you, like I said, visiting other places, you know, here and there, going to a conference, no big deal. Hope that helps. No, no, that's great. I would just ask where that scripture is. I want to share that with my wife. (laughs) Jeff? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, that helped a lot. I was just wondering if you could tell me where that scripture is in the Old Testament. I'd like to share that with my wife. Okay, Jeff, your, your thoughts. And we might have lost. Are you there, Mike? Yeah, I'm here. Jeff, where was the scripture on that? Those that are planted in the house of the Lord. um, Here it is. Let me get it quickly. Going Psalms 92, 13. So much. I appreciate your opinion. And I I think that helped for sure. (laughs) Chuck, yeah, you just have to go. God will show you what to do. I mean, it's, you know, you'll you'll find that, that eh, we just don't feel like driving that far, you know, or whatever. Or, you know, the old saying, a church alive is worth the drive. So I'll tell you, whatever it takes. But but uh, you want to be, you know, you just want to let God show you what to do. That's going to be the best thing. Stay online, Chuck. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, the movie Jesus. And with that, we'll go to Mary. Mary in Hamilton, Montana. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, my... A scripture is Matthew um, 11 and verse 22, where it says, Truly Tyre and Sidon will be better off in the judgment day than you. And Capernaum, though highly honored, shall go down to hell. Anyway, um, 
it was talking about if those miracles that he had done, then uh, Tyre and Sidon would have repented. And it's just confusing to think of these still, um, you know, since we're, if we're in heaven and the kingdom of heaven, it's like, why do, why would these towns and even states or things have any identity in heaven? I don't understand that. Jesus is making a, 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 a kind of a correlation. He's saying, look, he said, these are Gentile cities. If the miracles that I did here in Israel were done in these pagan cities, they would have repented long ago. He was addressing their hard heart. Now, where they got their hard heart, the Bible tells us, the Jewish people, was in pride. And the pride comes from our father Abraham. It isn't my personal relationship with God. I inherited my spirituality. Moses taught us, or they'll lay claim to something else other than the Lord in their personal life. And so the more miracles Jesus did, the harder their hearts got. This was the same problem for Pharaoh, with uh, uh, Moses and Pharaoh. The more, miracles Je- uh, the more miracles God did at the hand of Moses, the harder Pharaoh's heart got. The Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, how, what did he do to harden Pharaoh's heart? Showed him miracles that Pharaoh couldn't do, and that's what hardened his heart. Jesus was doing miracles that the Pharisees couldn't do. They couldn't raise somebody from the dead. They couldn't uh, heal anybody. And their jealousy, rooted in pride, is what caused the people as well to reject what Jesus was saying. But if these miracles, he said, would have been done in these pagan cities, they would have repented long ago. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, he is just saying, if I had done in these ancient cities what I've done in you, you know, if they had had me, then um, they would have repented. They didn't have me. You know, there's a book, a, really a good book by Leonard Ravenhill that was titled Sodom Had No Bible. And that's a very powerful statement because God sent fire and brimstone on Sodom and Sodom had no Bible. Sodom, all Sodom knew was uh, they had come into contact with Abraham. And I believe that meeting with Abraham was very, very significant. They knew that he was a righteous man. Uh, they knew that he knew God. And so they had a testimony. But as far as I've ever been able to find, that's about it. And yet God judged them to ashes. And they had no Bible. We do. You, know, you think of America right now. Uh, you know, dedicated not just to God, but to Jesus Christ by the early pioneers, by the Puritans, uh, dedicated to Christ, founded on the Word of God. All the the original uh, forefathers of our nation, uh, most of them were were believers, and and yet look what America is doing now. There's you know, Lord knows how many English speaking Bibles translations. Um, preachers, churches everywhere, and yet look what America is doing. Look at the sin. Look at the depth of depravity, the degeneracy. And I think that Jesus would be saying the same thing to us. America, if what had been done in these cities listed in 21 and 22 uh, were done in you, you know, they would have repented. America, what are you doing? You're sinning against such great light. 
And that's what he's saying to them. You have me here, and yet you're not repenting. They didn't. And yet if they had had me, Jesus said they would have repented. That's the parallel he's drawing. Hope that helps. Um, do you think that the it's talking about like the judgment during, you know, like uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, obviously, were judged in, you know, this time, not this time, but, you know, they were judged. And probably we are ju- going to be judged in a lot, in a lot of different ways. But are there... It says in the time of judgment. So do you think they're talking about while everybody's still alive in this world, the judgment or after? Well, Mary, there is a time of judgment. Um, Now, the Bible does tell us that there is a point where we take the mercy of God, of God not bringing about an immediate judgment on a a group of people or whatever, uh, and they, they consider it. God's lackness, or God doesn't care, or see it's not sin, because if it was sin, God would have judged it. And so therefore, the lifestyle that we're living, the things that our society is doing, is perfectly okay with God. That is where I believe God brings his judgment. Now, the Bible says his mercy endures forever, but do you want that? Well, when people don't think they're doing anything wrong, because they're they're overwhelmed by their sin, and they like their sin, they love the rebellion to God. First Corinthians chapter 6, again, talk about people who have made these sins a lifestyle. God says, they're not, Paul says, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Jeff, any last thoughts? Yeah, and I would say, Mary, in Revelation 20, we've already talked about it on the show today. Uh, you see the great white throne judgment. So I believe when Jesus uh, uses the phrase, the day of judgment, He's more than likely pointing to the great white throne judgment that John the Revelator saw uh, when he had his vision from from the Lord Jesus of things to come. You can read about it in Revelations 20. It's the most fearsome, awesome, uh, really frightening judgment. And I think some of the most sobering scripture passages in all of the Bible are found in Revelations 20 towards the end of the chapter where Christ is talking about the great white throne judgment is showing it to John and John writes about it and everybody who ever sinned and that's everybody, uh, but didn't accept Christ and they died in their sin are going to be at that day of judgment. And I think that's what he's talking about. Amen. So I hope that helps. Thank you. It does. Dear stay online. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, the movie Jesus. I think you'll really enjoy it. Great to lend out to your friends. Get back, let it out more of your friends because it's really, really a great opportunity and a a fairly easy way to share the gospel, too. So we'll get those out to you. Stay on the line. Um, We're out of time. Victoria and Siobhan, please, Victoria, Siobhan, please call us back tomorrow. I I really want to talk to you about your your question. And um, thanks, Jeff, for being on. My pleasure. Always a blessing to be with you. So until tomorrow, may the Lord keep you in his love. Keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. Good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 